Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Hey, book lovers. Welcome back to Storytime with M. This week, we are doing two chapters from Feelers, chapter 10 and 11. And without further ado, chapter 10. The room burned around me. Tall flames encircled the bed, but I remained rigid and unable to move. A dark shadow darted across the room just out of my line of sight. A black blur was all I could make out. The heat of the room was becoming unbearable. Beads of sweat formed on my brow and dripped down my face. My heart was jackhammering in my chest, and my breathing increased. Enough, said a low, commanding voice. A woman's voice. The fires waned, and the light grew dim. A shadowy figure moved to the side of the bed and pulled back the covers from my brutalized body. Poor child, said the cloaked stranger. Why do I recognize this voice? The stranger pulled back her hood, and I knew her at once. The goddess woman. She gave me a gentle smile and kissed my brow. She raised a tattooed hand and pressed her fingers into the spot she had kissed. My mind erupted in a shower of golden sparks, and my body went rigid. She removed her hand and gestured with the other. I rose up into the air and hovered over the bed. I felt a cool draft as my blanket slipped away. Do not fear, Jane, the woman said in a soothing voice. It does not matter. Nothing matters. It is all just... Her voice trailed off. Dust. I croaked out in my dry, raspy voice. Yes! The woman clapped her hands and I fell back onto the bed. More golden sparks and dust showered down on me. It filled my mouth and I choked as she forced my lips open to take in more of the dry, bitter sand. I woke up with a cry and sat up in bed. The room was dim, but otherwise the same. No dust. No beautiful tattooed goddess. My body was stiff and a little sore, but I could move, and somehow, bore no scars or wounds. My body was completely healed. The attendants arrived soon after to bring me to the therapy room. When we arrived at the wooden door, it did not open immediately. I saw the attendants' brief glances and knew there was worry behind those impenetrable goggles. When the door finally opened, I was not prepared for what I saw. Cal was there, as expected, and beside him, in a matching white lab coat, stood Neil. A tense moment followed. The silence became uncomfortably long, and I saw one attendant shift slightly. My eyes darted from one face to the other in shock. Neil widened his eyes and gave an almost imperceptible shake of his head. The message was clear. Say nothing. Cal was watching us both closely, with suspicion plainly on his face. There was a flash of anger, and maybe jealousy, in his eyes. He pressed his lips together and typed something on his tablet. Hello, Jane. No art therapy today. We're shifting the program. This way. He turned down another hallway. This one was narrower and decorated with dusty yellow and gold wallpaper. Delicate glass sconces lined the walls, 
and cast the hall in a dim golden light, much like the light in my room, when it wasn't blinding me. We veered to the left and stopped at a plain wooden door with the number three painted on it in gold. Cal and Neil flanked the door and motioned for me to open it. As I approached, I could feel an energy thrumming behind the door. It grew louder and more intense until it felt like it was rattling my insides. When I placed my hand on the knob, there was a loud pop, and the energy vanished. I stood frozen on the spot, holding the doorknob, but unable to turn it. Turn the knob, Jane, Neil said quietly. I saw him cast a glance at Cal, who nodded his approval. My hand seemed to turn of its own volition. The knob clicked, and the door swung open. Cal gave me a gentle push, and I stepped into the room. The room was small and empty, save for three others, and a glowing ball of white light. The glare was intense, and it took a moment for my eyes to adjust and take it all in. The blonde girl, Gwen, was there. She stood in a far corner with her hands clasped in front of her, and her head bowed. Her eyes remained fixed on the spotless white tile floor. Two of the other corners of the room were occupied by two unfamiliar girls. Both were about my age. One had hair dyed in a rainbow of colors and worn in a crown of wild curls. Her penetrating eyes were the color of amethyst and bore into me when I dared to meet her stare. I felt exposed, as if my very darkest parts had been seen and judged, harshly. The other girl leaned casually in the corner closest to me. She had gorgeous deep brown skin, marked with light blue tattoos in swirling patterns, like water in motion. Her dark eyes gazed at me, and she gave me a gentle smile. She seems safer. I took my place in the remaining corner. Cal and Neil stepped inside the room and nodded, smiling to each other as they made notes on their tablets. Now then, ladies, Cal said with a smile, this is a new program still in the experimental stages. You're our lucky test subjects. Good luck. What are we supposed to do? shouted the girl with the wild hair angrily. I was glad I wasn't the only one who didn't know what was going on. Cal smiled again and tapped his finger to his temple. You'll have to figure it out. That's part of the fun. He left the room without another word, and Neil followed. Before closing the door behind them, Neil paused and looked at me. His expression told me what I needed to know. Whatever the reason for his sudden change of sides and pristine new lab coat, Neil was on my side. He was trying to help me. I just had to trust him. As the door closed, the ball of light began to hum. As the intensity grew, the light glowed brighter. There was no way to escape. The hum burrowed deep inside me. It was shaking me apart. The light was invading my brain. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. I opened my mouth and began to scream. The other girls joined in. One by one, I heard their voices added to the cacophony of sound. The ball of light changed to a deep, vibrant shade of blue. The light swirled and flowed around us. I could see the other girls, each tethered to the ball by a long strand of sound. The girl with the swirling tattoos snapped her head to the side and her tether broke. She moved freely through the blue space like she was swimming through the light. She swam to me and regarded me silently for a moment. Then she placed her hands on my face and twisted. There was a small pop and sizzle of lightning as my tether broke, and I was swept back against the wall with force. I tentatively swiped my arm through the light, 
and watched it float. The girl freed Gwen and the rainbow-haired girl in the same manner, and we gathered together near the ceiling. The girl who had freed us wrapped her arms around my shoulders and Gwen's and drew us closer. The rainbow-haired girl's curls were flowing behind her as she navigated her way into our circle. When the circle was complete, the room began to shake and the light dimmed. The other girls were hidden in the murky blue, but somehow I could hear them. We have to be quick. They can't know we can do this. Who are you? How do you know how to do this? My name is Mina. I've been here for a long time, longer than most. I've been through this before. You the one with the tattoos? Yes. They were given to me by my grandmother. Listen, they have games for us to play, puzzles to solve. We have to work together. What happens if we solve them? After a long moment, the light brightened just a little. Mina's face appeared in the gloom. Her eyes were pools of light, and a wistful smile adorned her lips. I have never solved them all, but if we can stick together, it could mean our freedom. The light in her eyes darkened. But we have to stick together. Promise me. They will try to divide us, but we have the control. We have the power. If we keep our thoughts purely positive, we can get through it together. Promise me. She was looking at me now. I nodded. I promise. Gwen and the other girl, whose name turned out to be Roxy, also gave their word, and Mina drew us in close until our foreheads touched. The hum returned, and the room exploded into blinding golden light. The force pulled us apart and threw us back. We were on a beach. The hot, pale sand burned the skin on my feet and hands. I got to my feet and looked around. Mina was nowhere to be seen, but Gwen and Roxy were also sitting in the sand, looking a bit dazed. Roxy jumped to her feet and darted forward. Look there! She stood at the water's edge, letting the water roll over her toes and then pull away. I looked where she was pointing, and after a moment of searching, I saw what she did. The tiniest blue light broke the surface of the water, far out past the break. My heart started pounding as the realization swept over me. Mina, I said in despair. Roxy nodded. Gwen would not look at either of us. Her eyes remained trained on the ground. As we watched, the light swelled for a moment and then went out. No! Roxy screamed, and she dashed into the water, lifting her knees high to clear the waves and finally diving into the surf. Roxy! I started to follow her, but a strong hand gripped my arm, and I looked up to meet Gwen's stony gaze. Her gray eyes were hard, and she wore a determined look on her face. We cannot go there, she said. Her voice was lower than I'd expected. We will help from here. She knelt in the sand and scooped up two handfuls. She threw them into the air over us, and tiny granules rained down into my hair and stung my eyes. It's all just... Dust, I said with her. Gwen smiled happily and gestured for me to kneel with her. We knelt face to face, and she took my hands. Her touch was cool and soothing in the heat of the sun. Between us the ground began to shake. The sand shimmied and fell away as a large stone shaped like a bowl emerged. Close your eyes she said evenly. A moment later, a wave crashed down, soaking us completely and filling the stone bowl. Gwen squeezed my hands and smiled a little. A sudden gust of wind whipped the sand around us into a frenzy. Your turn, she said. Concentrate. 
I focused on the bowl of water while the sandstorm howled around us. The sunlight reflected in the water began to pulse and grow. The light covered the water's surface and changed to a deep blood red. The wind stirred the vibrant water, and the color faded, leaving behind a picture of Mina, tangled in long ropes of seaweed and struggling to get free. We reached out to her, diving deep into the bowl. The more Mina struggled, the tighter the seaweed held her. I reached out and my hand glowed with a dull red light. At my touch, the seaweed recoiled, blackened and shriveled, and Mina kicked and clawed at the water. She pulled herself frantically to the surface. Gwen's hands closed around mine, illuminating us both with a pale golden light. She smiled at me and closed her eyes. I followed her lead and closed my own. When I opened them again, we were back on the beach. Gwen released my hands and scrambled to her feet, pointing. There they are. I turned and saw them. Bobbing in the swelling waves, Mina clung to Roxy. The rainbow-haired girl pulled her to the shore and supported her as they crossed the beach. Mina was pale and gray, the color of the sea just after a storm. Her eyes rolled wildly. Little help, maybe? Roxy snarled. Mina was a good deal taller than her, and she was being crushed without the ocean to help hold her up. Gwen remained motionless as I sprinted to assist Roxy. Mina's skin was ice cold, and she was making a low, gurgling sound in her throat. Thanks, Roxy said begrudgingly, but there was a look of relief in her pale eyes. What's wrong with her? No idea. Here, lay her down gently. We eased Mina into the sand as easily as we could. She rolled onto her side and was sick. The seawater made a dark circle in the sand. Gwen, Roxy, and I stood staring at her. What now? I looked from one girl to the other. Roxy narrowed her eyes and turned her attention back to Mina without a word. Gwen took my hand with a gentle smile. She reached out and took Roxy's hand. The girl tried to pull away, but Gwen held tight. She was small, but she was the strongest of us all. Take her hands, she commanded in her smooth voice. Roxy and I did as we were told. The moment our hands touched, the glow began. The golden light began in our hands and moved up through our arms to fill our bodies. The world around us dissolved into blinding golden light. The humming returned. Something sharp stuck in my arm, and everything went black. Chapter 11 I woke up in my room sometime later. The golden ball was dim and the room was shadowy. My head was pounding, and when I tried to sit up, I saw stars. Go easy, a voice in the dark said, and I jumped, sending another bolt of lightning through my head. Sorry about that, Neil said as he moved next to the bed and within sight. I didn't mean to scare you. Be careful, here, let me help you. He slid an arm under me and helped me sit up. I cried out as another sharp pang shot through my skull. What's wrong with me? My voice came out as a raspy whisper. Neil didn't answer at first. He stared at me curiously, then shook his head. Nothing. You're fine. It's these new tests that are wrong. Look what they've done to you. I have to get you out of here. What about the others? Neil looked surprised. What about them? We have to save them, too. Neil stroked his chin thoughtfully. I don't know, Jane. I need to get you out of here soon. I don't have time to plan their escapes, too. Look at you. I said, pointing to his bright white lab coat. 
You have access to everyone, right? Yeah. His voice was uncertain. I do. What's with the coat? The throbbing in my head was subsiding, and I raised an eyebrow at Neil. Changing sides? Of course not. I'm loyal to my people. He sighed. I'll figure it out. I smiled, though it sent a small current through me. The pain was dull now, charged with electricity, like the air before a violent thunderstorm. I have to go, he said. Rest up. The tests won't get any easier. I'll get you out as soon as I can, but this complicates things. It'll take some time. I put my hand on his arm. Another shock. He felt it, too. His eyes grew wide. Gather your strength, he said quietly. You're going to need it. Cal brought me to the therapy room alone this time. He didn't speak or look directly at me. His face wore an odd expression. Guilt. Is anyone in this place medicated? We made the trip in silence. Just before he opened the door, he made the briefest of eye contact. His cheeks were flushed, and his eyes looked bright and feverish. Be careful, he said as he opened the door to the bright white room. Gwen was in her corner, staring at the floor. She didn't move when I entered. Roxy was already there, too. Her bright curls were standing out haphazardly from her head, and her pale eyes were wild. She glared at me when I entered and crossed her arms over her chest. Roxy was never going to be my friend. I moved to my corner and waited. The fourth corner was empty. The silence was dense and weighed heavily on our shoulders. The door opened again. A petite girl in a blue and silver dress stepped into the room. Her skin was pale green and shimmered as she moved. She stepped into Mina's corner and my stomach sank. Roxy grabbed her hair and dropped to her knees. Her mouth fell open in an expression of horrified disbelief. Gwen did not acknowledge the girl. She remained a statue in her corner, waiting. We were all waiting. The humming began and grew quickly and steadily. The golden ball appeared and grew to a blinding brilliance. Here we go again. Not a beach this time, but a river. Swift-moving, icy cold water washes over my feet. The cold burns me. I slip and fall forward into the deeper, faster-moving water. I tumble along with the icy current. There is nothing I can do to fight it. I cover my head with my arms and hope for the best. My body is jostled by rocks, and I gasp for air while swallowing more and more water. There is a burning sensation all around me, and the sense that I am slowly dying— I can feel life slowly being drained from my body. My lungs burn with the lack of oxygen. This is it. This is my death. Surprisingly, I don't find this thought upsetting. It's not much of a life, and this isn't so bad. Dark and cold with the sound of rushing water all around me. I let go and sink back into the sound. It doesn't matter anymore. Another sound humming. It was different from the sound in the room. It was higher pitched and smooth, less abrasive. The water around me grew still. Little bubbles swirled around and held me steady amidst the current. The humming grew into voices. There were no words, and the sound was continuous as the bubbles churned and swirled around me. A sudden force from below shot me up out of the water. The burning sensation was gone. 
I tried to focus on anything as my body twisted and flipped through the air. I struggled for any amount of control as I plunged one second and rose the next. The air grows warm around me, pink and purple, shifting hues of light surround me. For a moment, everything is still, and then suddenly I am falling. Fast. The swirling lights are brighter and weave their vibrant colors around me, but the support is gone. I am plummeting through the air, waiting for impact. I lurch to a sudden stop and realize I have been screaming the whole time. I close my mouth, aware of the silence that descends around me. The colors have become cloud-like, soft, billowy, and seemingly made of vapor. The clouds part slightly and I see them. Gwen and the new girl are standing back, watching with their mouths agape. Roxy's frightened face bobs into view. She passes her hand over the opening in the clouds, and they reassemble. The soft confines of my new prison are once again intact. So this is the life of a feeler. I think about my old room, the first one I had when I came to Silent Trees. It seemed so confining back then but now it would feel like freedom. I wish I was normal. I wish the hiptiz worked on me. My parents were boring, predictable people with boring, predictable lives. Right now I would give anything to be with them again. The cloud bubble is small and confining. I cannot move. The walls are strong despite their soft, shifting appearance. They change slowly from pink to purple to gold to deep gray. The progression is hypnotic, and my thoughts are dulled. I can't think in this place. The urge to run is building inside me. I was never a very active kid, but now every nerve in my body is itching to break free and run as fast as I can away from silent trees. If that's even where I am. And that is the end of chapter 11, book lovers. Thank you so much for listening to Storytime with M. I love sharing my books with you a chapter or two a week, and I hope you enjoy this double episode. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading. Mm-hmm.